Hey guys, welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's faithfully in the trenches with us, always at work in our mess. Well, I'm Jen, the host of this Conversation Style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday, because we all need a place to come as we are, kick off our shoes, and take a deep breath of truth and encouragement. Y'all, The Messy Table is partnered with My Church Life Church and our sister's ministry. We're also big-time advocates of the free YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our pockets, available in hundreds of languages wherever we go. But honestly, our greatest privilege is locking arms with you. So no matter where you live, no matter where you've been or what you're currently walking through, you are wanted and welcome, and we're so glad you're here. Well, as you already know, we all have stories. Some are great, others are extremely difficult, and quite a few are messy. But regardless of how pretty or painful, we all have a story to tell. You have a story to tell, most likely many stories. These stories matter more than we know, yet they weren't meant to stay buried deep inside. But as we choose to step out in faith and boldness and share our unique perspectives, something magical starts to happen. The rest of us remember we're not alone. There is a greater purpose and things like courage and hope begin to spread like wildfire. So one of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis, and he once wrote these powerful words. He said, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. I don't know about you, but I don't want a hard heart. I don't want to build walls so thick and high around myself that nothing and no one can get in. But sometimes, if we're honest, life hurts. Sometimes we're dealt unfair circumstances. Sometimes the people we love most let us down and we wonder if we'll ever be able to trust again. Trust, after all, is pretty important. It's the glue of life, the essential foundation beneath any relationship, whether that's with a spouse, a friend, a parent, or even God. Guys, my guest for episode number 51 is my good friend, Stacia Malone. I'm not quite sure if I can articulate just what an amazing woman she is, but she's humble, wise beyond her years, an overcomer, and a true servant leader. Stacia's married to Jake. She's a Life Kids pastor at our church, as well as a constant encourager. But like many of us, she also has an untold story that fuels her greatest passions. Today, she's sharing a piece of those difficult experiences, yet how she's choosing to trust again. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. Hey, Stacia. Hello. Welcome to The Messy Table. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what people need to know about you Mm -hmm. is that you are legitimately the kindest, most genuine, loving person I think I've ever met. Mm, Thank you. I'm going to put you at maybe the very top of the list. (laughs) That's for real. But thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. And I know you don't like the attention. No. (laughs) So I'm sorry about that. That's fine. Um, But I am not sorry that everyone gets to hear from you because you have an incredible, unique perspective. And I'm definitely better off knowing you. And I know everyone else will be too. So thank you. Appreciate that. Before we kind of dive in, would you just tell everyone a little bit about you and what you're all about? Yeah. 
Well, again, my name is Stacia, and I am originally from Waco, Texas, and I probably should say that I don't know Chip and Joanna. <laughs> I get that question all the time, but I prefer that question over like, are you a part of the cult? No, I'm not a part of a cult. So oh, yeah. yeah, it happens all the time. Um, but funny. yeah, I'm from Waco and I moved here to Tulsa in 2006 to mm-hmm. finish my degree for organizational communications. And then I worked at the university for a couple of years after that. Um, and then I just really felt called to full-time ministry. So I transitioned to um, working at Life Church. Yeah, you did. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I have a husband. And uh, his name is Jake. He's really great. And he, he great. Um, yeah, works at the hospital here. And we've been married for about a year and a half. Dog yeah. kids. We have a dog. Harper. Harper. She's great, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. you're basically professional now. Definitely at professional. Mm-hmm. What Got all, all tips out. can you give us? <laughs> so many. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not at all. We're still just figuring it out. Yeah. Um, the beginning of marriage was just kind of weird because it was good. It was really good. But it just was, I don't know. We're just trying to figure each other out. And I think I had different expectations. Like, he's supposed to know exactly what I want and what I think all the time. And he was like, he doesn't? I know. I'm right? just kidding. Like, he should. Um, and then he just thought. I got it all figured out and I'm going to help her fix everything and get it all figured out too. So it took a bit, but yeah, it's been good. Yeah. So he's a pretty high thinker or very yes, high thinker. Very high thinker. And you are a little bit more on the feeler side as far as like Myers-Briggs. Yes, exactly. So how does that work? A lot of communication now because he will just say something and I will get quiet. And now he realizes, oh, I think I said something not what she wanted to right. hear about whatever situation. So I've had to just learn to start saying what hurts my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of hurts my feelings, but it's just gotten a lot better as far as communicating that and him understanding that and me understanding that he's not always going to mean how I take things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I know you were just telling me a little bit of because Jake works in the medical field and about mm-hmm. how he's having to deal with all these surgeries and um, a lot of intense like heart stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't make it right. and sometimes they do. And right. just how he'll be kind of explaining his day. How would you describe it? Just I don't know. Just a normal like this is what happens right. day to day. This yeah. is what happened. And, and so I will say like, wait, what now? She she didn't make it. And he's like, nope. Okay. And then we'll move on. I'm like, Let's have dinner. No. Yeah. Like, no, Let's go no. walk the Why dog. Are you crying? You need to cry. Like, you know, but yeah. I really admire people that work in the medical world mm-hmm. because I don't think I could do it. No, I'd be a rough basket case probably all the time. So <laughs> yeah, he's great at his job for that reason. So we met at church. I don't even know how long ago. It's been a long time. Yeah. And then you uh, worked with my husband mm-hmm. and he got to marry you, mm-hmm. which is super fun. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds weird. weird. He got to officiate <laughs> your yes. wedding. Yeah. yeah. He had to marry you. You know, sometimes we'll find ourselves saying that, or are you going to marry them? And our kids are like, I thought you were already what? married. <laughs> Explain this to me, We're Mom. like, no, that's not what we meant. Yeah. All right. So you and Jake got married when you were what? Like 30? 30. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've known you quite a while, and I've gotten to see you live out your faith in different seasons and mm-hmm. kind of stages of life. So looking back now, what would you say to someone else or even to yourself mm-hmm. as a single gal? Yeah. Um, I think... Probably because I'm a fairly reserved person and just an internal processor. I probably on the outside looked like I was good, that I was single and like it was fine. But I was freaking out probably inside (laughs) a lot. You know, I thought about a lot. So um, it was just a long season of just wondering, like, why isn't this happening for me? And I would have friends that would get engaged and then they would have babies. And I was just Mm -hmm. over there on a Friday night hanging out. Because it's something that you wanted. Yeah, it's definitely. And it was never a thought of 
will this happen? It was, um, or if this will happen, it was more of like, when will it happen? Mm-hmm. And I think just waiting for the right person, because I think that was right. Uh, yeah, it was a temptation to just kind of settle mm-hmm. for someone that's a good guy, but just maybe not the best choice for me. You know, yeah, that's sometimes um, hard to know. Yeah. Or I guess that's just the the Holy Spirit discernment that we right. need. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think just from things that happened in earlier in my life, I, I think I struggled a lot with feeling good enough and um, not trying to get my worth in my relationships with other men. And so that was just a struggle because I would then struggle again with feeling good enough, but also with shame, mm-hmm. um, with just mistakes that I had made in the past. And so just thinking like, oh gosh, like no one that I want to marry is going to want to marry me, mm-hmm. you know? So that was um, Which is hard. a lie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a lie. And I can see that now. And I knew that then it was just reminding myself like, this is a lie. This is from the enemy and I'm good enough because God says that I am. have to call it out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. We, my friends and I used to watch Bachelor. Did you watch Bachelor? I don't know yes. Watch, yeah. So yes. in college, we would have like Bachelor parties. Yes. I haven't watched it in a long time though. Right. No. I, yeah. So we used to watch it every single Monday night. And I remember um, there was one season, you might remember him. He was, his name was Sean. Oh yeah. Yes. So he was like I the do. good Christian I think that was bachelor. one of the last ones I watched. Yes. And I did like him yeah. because he was pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. And as a single girl, you're like, oh my gosh, like that's ideal. Mm-hmm. I mean, not going on the show probably and <laughs> being a part of Bachelor, but him as a person. And so I just remember talking to my mom one time because she watched it too. Mm-hmm. So we were talking through like, oh, did you see that episode of Sean? And all of a sudden I just burst into tears because I just had this overwhelming feeling like I'm never going to find someone that is good and trusting or trustworthy and faithful and Mm -hmm. loves God and wants someone like me because I've messed up a lot. And so that was just a battle that I had to fight in my own mind, really. Which he wasn't perfect. And he had his own things that he had gone through. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just so funny to to think through it now because I'm like, of course, of course I know that. Like, Mm -hmm. Why was I so down? But it was worth the wait. But from the outside, again, and I know you said it, but you never appeared that way. Like, I feel like you were so just like, oh, yeah, no big deal. And in fact, which I know that the whole thing is you're not supposed to try to like set single people up because (laughs) then it applies that something's wrong. And I never felt like something would ever. Yeah. But it was just kind of always a joke. Like, Mm -hmm. Stacia, what's your type? What's your type? And so we were always, you know, someone would walk into the campus that would be kind of cute. And we'd be like, what about him? You're like, I don't even know anything about him. (laughs) I need to go do my job now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And you never said this, but I, it was the hardest thing when someone would come up and say like, why are you still single? And they meant it as a compliment, but just they meant like you're amazing. Yes, but don't say that. That's never no, like that's Mm -mm. never fun for anyone single to hear. Like, why are you still single? Well, I don't know. Like, so Mm -hmm. and Jake is even better than Sean. He is. He's amazing. He is so amazing. And you guys are such a great couple. Like, you go together so well. Yeah, it's really neat to see how God's timing really was perfect. It really is. He really did have a plan all along, and now you know you can't imagine it any other way. No, so. I can't. Yeah. I, I dated a guy for just a little bit, um, probably like a, a couple of years before Jake and I um, met and started dating. And on paper, he was great. And like, mm-hmm. I would still say that, like he right. he's a good guy. But something that I started to realize was that I, there were different qualities that I never, never really thought through. Like, oh, what do I want in a guy? I mm-hmm. want someone that is great and good looking and smart and successful. But that's not the thing. Those are right. the things that like really matter. And mm-hmm. so we were talking and um, he had a job interview for somewhere overseas. And so I asked him like, oh man, like, that's so great. Did you pray about that being the right fit? And he said, uh, no, no, I consider myself a wise guy and 
and I'm good. And so I was like, oh, red flag. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, all right. Um, and then in that conversation, we started talking and, and I said, so what's your relationship with God look like? Like, what do you, what does that look like practically? And he said, well, I read through the Bible when I was in grad school and that was 10 years before that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And he said, and no, I, I go to church and that kind of thing. And in that moment, it was a really hard conversation because it's more I knew, ritual, not yes, relationship. Yeah. And I was like, and that is, that's not okay for me, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I think that kind of opened my door or my eyes to say, like, I want somebody that is God fearing and that seeks God and that loves other people, but loves God even more. And, um, he's worth the wait for that. And mm-hmm. through that, that's exactly what Jake is. And so I know like that's perfect for yeah. me and mm-hmm. that's who I want. So, yeah. We've been in a series at church called Relationship Goals. And I think Craig said recently, which I've heard him say something like this before, but basically be the person that mm-hmm. you're looking for. Right. And so if you want someone who mm-hmm. a relationship with God is really important, which mm-hmm. that's what that's, you know, something that's really important to us, mm-hmm. then be that, be that. you mm-hmm. know, work on that in your own life. Yeah. And I do think it's important to think through not just what looks good on paper, Mm -hmm. but just kind of that, I don't want to say gut feeling, but that Holy Spirit discernment, even if he's great on paper, because I dated a guy in college for quite a while that on paper was amazing Mm -hmm. and he did love God, Mm -hmm. but in my gut, something just wasn't right. Right. And so I think often we kind of try to justify like Mm -hmm. why this is still fine and okay. Um, But in the meantime, we might miss out on what God's trying to do through us or someone that he's trying to bring into our life. And so, yeah, it's not just what's on paper. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, there's so much more. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you love Jesus mm-hmm. and you're a life kids pastor at our yeah. church, yeah. but your story isn't necessarily all unicorns and sunshine. Right. So yeah. kind of give us the backstory on your childhood and some of the challenges you faced mm-hmm. as you were growing up. Yeah. So yes, I, I'm a life kids pastor now. And I think from an early age, I knew that I wanted to be in full-time ministry, but it was really just because church was so such a vital part of my childhood and mm-hmm. kind of my safe haven. And that's what kind of started like, okay, I want to provide this for other people. Mm. But growing up, my dad actually struggled with a drug addiction to crack cocaine. And so mm. it, it started when he was super young. Um, so of course it was way before I was even born. And my mom obviously didn't know initially, mm-hmm. but you can't really keep that kind of thing hidden for very long. So yeah. So yeah, that was hard. And part of the hard part was that he was clean sometimes. And so Mm -hmm. it was a very back and forth. Um, and I have no clue what it would have been like if he was just gone all the time Mm -hmm. and just in his own little place of being addicted to drugs, that could have been far harder. I don't know. But for me, I think the hard part was that I was kind of a a daddy's girl in a way Mm -hmm. when I was really young. He loved you. He did. He loved me, but he struggled. And so he would be clean for a while. Mm-hmm. He was super involved in our church and was on the worship team, he played the drums, and then he would help in the small groups. And he just was such a servant and would give the clothes off of his back if someone needed it. But then the addiction just, it was rough. And yeah. so it would take him down quickly. And then he would be gone and just in this deep, dark binge of an addiction mm-hmm. for weeks or months or whatever. And then mm. all of a sudden he would come back. And he was good and he, you know, was apologizing and whatever else. And for and so, you and your developing brain, like right. that's hard when your dad is, is so wishy-washy. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely formed this, uh, I guess, this wall up for me to be able to really trust anyone yeah. because I trust my dad and he's he's gone. Like, he's not it, dependable. Right. And I think he's good now and he's clean now and he's changed. And then a couple of weeks of getting to that point where I felt like I was really trusting then he'd be gone again. Yeah. So that was hard. It was a crazy time. 
of my mom would wear a spare key for a car on her bra strap all the time like that that's just mm. a vivid memory of mine wow. if she always would wear it because if she didn't then he would take the car and give it to a drug dealer and then we were driving around in a friend's used car to go find where ours was mm. um or i remember just my brother and i had a routine of going around um, the house grabbing any kind of electronic or valuable or anything every single morning this is what we would do we'd grab all of our stuff put it in the trunk and take it with us because wow. even if he was clean the times that we would leave him, we'd come back and he would have taken everything and pawned it. And, you know, so little things like that, just when he was under the influence, he was just destructive and mean. But then there were times where he was super sweet, nice and, you know, doing okay. So yeah, that was hard. I think that was really difficult with the wishy-washiness, but also because it was a secret. And I think that was probably the hardest part of all of it that no one really knew. Mm. Um, so it's mainly just your family. That yeah. Knew. Yeah. My family. And then I think at some point my mom let a few of her closest friends in, but no, none of my friends knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of started why I have grown to be really reserved and not, not as open as I probably mm-hmm. would want to have been because I just learned at an early age, like we keep this stuff hidden, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of um, the and that's start. a hard habit to break it over is. time. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you learn to do it with everything. And you know, it wasn't until later, not that long ago that I realized like I, I should be open with people. I should be vulnerable. I don't have to not be able to trust people mm-hmm. just because I wasn't when I was younger. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You obviously have a really strong relationship with God now. Mm -hmm. So what happened? And you said that you guys were involved in church. Mm -hmm. What did that look like? Um, My mom was just, she always made sure that my brother and I were in church. And that for both of us, my brother's quite a bit older than me, about 11 years. And so um, through the the really, really intense hard times, he was a high schooler. Wow. Um, And and you were what? Middle school, mm, younger, younger elementary, and then they got a divorce when you were yeah, middle when school? I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, yeah, and so we were just in church all the time, and I got really involved in our youth ministry, and that is where uh, I gave my life to Christ when I was really young. Mm-hmm. Probably one of those kids that raised their hand every single week because I didn't know any better, you know. But mm-hmm. um, it started to actually form a relationship yeah. with God. Little and, seeds were planted. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so um was at church anytime the doors would open because that's where we wanted to be. And that's where we felt like even though things were secret, that's still where we could try to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. And no one knew all the crazy stuff that was happening. And in those moments, that's what we needed mm. for that that time. But yeah, so I was in church and really just digging into what that meant to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little different because of just issues with my dad, but mm-hmm. definitely there. And the leaders that were there were really investing in me and uh, really connected with different leaders throughout that whole experience. But one in particular was Bethany. And she actually was she was a leader only for a short season of my life. But for some reason, she just really stuck mm-hmm. with me. I think it was just in the thick of it uh, whenever she became a leader. And she actually had a very similar story. So her dad um, had an addiction for a while, but the cool thing is that he overcame it. Okay. Um, and I think that probably was part of why I connected so much with her. She mm-hmm. didn't actually know what I was going through at the time, mm-hmm. but I knew her story. And I saw just that she seemed so put together and she loved God and her family was better than than it had been in the mm-hmm. past. And so it just brought a lot of hope um, to me. And that's part of why I think I connected so much with her, but she was just always just available to be there and to speak life into me and the other girls that were in our group. And um, same with the other leaders and my youth pastor, they would jump in um, because they knew at that point that 
we didn't have a lot of money. And so they would make sure that I could still go to all the different functions and be a part of the youth group and really Mm -hmm. just invested in me. What's interesting about Bethany, though, the fact that you know her story means that because how old were you probably at this time? Oh, like, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade. I don't know. But she still had to be vulnerable and open enough to share her story. And even though and that brought me hope, she didn't even know Mm -hmm. what you were going through. Mm -hmm. It just makes me think of so many times whenever we take that step of faith Mm -hmm. and we share something with someone else. Mm -hmm. We don't even always know why they needed to hear it. Yeah. And she's still a big part of our family's life, like her and her family. Mm-hmm. Um, are still around and still part, And yeah, so it's just been a really cool relationship that God definitely placed at the right time um, when I needed to hear like, things are going to be okay. And you, life can look different. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to go through it and still rely on God and be faithful. And now that I'm older, I'm realizing, yeah, you need to be vulnerable and be <laughs> open to people because your story matters and it helps other people. So, right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So your faith got stronger, but your situation didn't get any better. No, no. Yeah. Middle school. Middle school is rough. Anyway. And yes, it is. And I had a perm. And <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> so bad. Uh, so with the perm um, and just life was just really rough. So that I was had the big bangs that I would fluff, you? like I'd curl and oh, then fluff yeah. and then hairspray. Yeah. Mine was like, you know, the weird curls that aren't really cute curls. And then you <laughs> definitely have to have the like stuff on your hair. So anytime I lean my head back on like a wall or a window, just leave a it little spot. Yeah. Stick. So bad. <laughs> so bad. I don't know why my mom let me do that. But she probably was like, she has a hard life. Let her have a perm. Yeah. So bad. Um, but yeah, so middle school was rough, but that was probably the worst of it with my dad. So that was at the point where he was not having those I'm clean moments. Mm. He was just... It was just bad. Yeah, it was just bad. Um, And my brother is quite a bit older, so he had gotten married young. um, So he was already out of the house. So uh, yeah, it was just rough. And actually, when I was, hmm, I think seventh grade, uh, my dad ended up getting arrested mm. because he uh, he'd gotten arrested multiple times just for, you know, causing a scene or mm-hmm. whatever. But in this case, he actually told us later that he was just in a really bad place and he wanted to end end it all. Mm. Um, and so he went to a convenience store uh, to hold it up. But his thought um. was that not that he's trying to get money or anything like that. He knew that that particular place had a gun in the back. And so he thought, I'm going to hold this place up. I'm going to run. I'm going to try to take a car and they will shoot me. And he was just, he he kind of was sad about it later on. He's like, I couldn't even do it myself, but I just, I didn't know what to do. And I really wanted to end everything. And so um, the funny, I mean, I guess it's it's funny to me. It shouldn't be funny, whatever. Um, But he didn't want to actually hurt anyone. And so he ended up just getting a banana and keeping that in his pocket. And that's what (laughs) he tried to hold them up with. And so, you know, they thought he had a gun and whatever else. Um, but he made it out to the parking lot, tried to to take a car. And at that point, they didn't shoot him. They didn't, yeah. you know, do what he actually wanted them to do. They just ended up getting him. And so yeah. he ended up going to prison for um, a couple of years. And in that, I, I mean, I was happy. And it sounds so bad to say that now. But then it was like, I... It was so overwhelming to not know what was going on, not know if he was going to show up. I think it sounds bad. I mean, I think anyone would feel that way if you feel like you're in a scary, insecure situation with someone that you don't, that you love but can't trust. Right. Yeah. So it's like a banana thing. Like, (laughs) in a way, I feel like that's kind of a little peek into his heart. Mm -hmm. Like, he probably didn't want or intend all this, but addiction is just ugly. Yeah. And And sometimes you're in. Yeah. Yeah. And you you can't get out without Mm -hmm. drastic measures. Right. 
Right. Yeah. So that was very helpful for him, just that time in prison. And yeah, while he was there, my mom went ahead and finalized the divorce and they had married, been married for, I think at that point, 17 or so years. Mm. Um, so yeah, so she got to the place where she was like, okay, I just feel a release. This yeah. is what I'm going to do. Um, and so then we were, it wasn't as chaotic at home, but it kind of moved to that transition where you're like, okay, and now I'm a single mom who's struggling financially because my husband took everything and yeah. You know, it, so it's just it was a crazy time for us with that, you know, stage of life as well. Yeah. You know, I've talked with lots of women who have been hurt either by the relationship with their dad or maybe because of having no relationship with their dad. So mm-hmm. I know those are kind of different things, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's not uncommon. What we see in our earthly dads can sometimes affect the way we view our heavenly father. Right. So what did that look like for you since your dad yeah. wasn't super dependable or trustworthy? Yeah. Has it been tough? to now find or as you grew up to find God to be trustworthy and dependable? Yes, definitely. Yes. (laughs) Um, You know, you'd read in the Bible and you would hear songs and sermons about your Abba Father Mm -hmm. and um, how good, like good, good father and things like that. It it just, it wasn't really relatable to Mm -hmm. me. I I didn't understand what that meant because I didn't have that father that, Mm -hmm. you know, people cry out to and talk about how much they love Mm. um, and how much our father loves us. And yeah, it just, it Mm -hmm. didn't make sense, but it's something I'm still working through Mm -hmm. being in my thirties now, just reminding myself of God's character and just seeing the traits that he has, like he is a good father and he is faithful and trustworthy and I I struggled a lot with fear of rejection and fear of um, just trusting anyone because I was rejected when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad chose something else over me. And so that was just a really hard struggle to go through. And and I've gone through counseling and worked through depression and all Mm -hmm. of that. But I think through that whole process, just reminding myself and having to read through and convince myself like, God, he really is the ultimate father that I can trust. And he is a planner. And that sounds so weird to say, but for me, that brings stability Mm -hmm. and that brings just a sense of trust that he has planned out my life and he knew what I was going to go through. And even though my earthly dad didn't plan out things Mm -hmm. and didn't make good decisions that would affect me, my heavenly father did because he knows that even going through hard situations, that's what makes me stronger and Mm -hmm. having to rely on him through those situations. That's what builds my faith. And mm-hmm. so he planned, maybe not for all of that to happen, but he sure. made a plan through it. He, he yes. brought good out of, He's wor- out of that. He's yeah. worked through it. Right. Yeah. And for some reason that has just brought a lot of um, just peace to my heart. Like, yeah, he, he is a planner. He is futuristic. He knew what was going to happen. And I am still working through different mm-hmm. struggles that started when I was younger, but God right. knew it. And and he's bringing the right people in my life to help with it. He's helping me to be that person for other people that are going through it. Mm-hmm. And um, just reminding myself of the kind of God that I know or the kind of father that I know God to be. Mm-hmm. Again, I just I think it's more for me just uh, like Joyce Meyer, the battlefield of the mind. Like it's just reminding myself of the truths that I know right. um, and just believing those because I know that my dad loved me, but I also know that God my heavenly father loves me even more and, and right. knew what was going to happen and still brought yes. me out of it. Right. So. Cause even a great dad here on earth 
is still an imperfect sinner that has issues. And so as much as I wish you would have had a stable dad, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that our Heavenly Father is the one who Mm -hmm. can give us that source of identity and he's the one who is eternally faithful. I think it's interesting that God even chose in Scripture to describe himself as Father. Yeah. You know, out of yeah. all the things that, yeah. you know, Lord and King and mighty creator, mm-hmm. but he he wants to also come close and say, I want to be your father yeah. too. Yeah. So, and I love that verse in, um, I think it's in Psalm that says that God's a father to the fatherless mm-hmm. and a defender of widows, which I think you could broaden that to single moms right. too, right? So just even knowing that, that he is a father to the fatherless mm-hmm. and he weaves his ways all through your life in ways that you couldn't even understand right. at the time. And we still can't yeah. fathom today. Yeah. Like he's still doing it today. Mm-hmm. So the truth is a lot of us are dealing with imperfect circumstances and they all look different. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get hurt, mm-hmm. not if, but when, because we know that it'll <laughs> right. happen, whether we're hurt by a parent or a spouse or a coworker, or maybe it's a close friend. Mm-hmm. How do we learn to trust again? Like for you with Jake, yeah. Yeah. was that difficult? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember actually sitting down with Derek, your husband, in our premarital counseling and, and that kept on coming up that I just was so scared, like, And I remember talking about that, saying my mom had no clue what she was about to walk into. She had no Mm -hmm. clue. And if she had, she wouldn't have done that, you know. And now talking to her, she's like, I mean, I'm sure there were red flags, (laughs) you know, but but still, um, that was just really hard for me to think through. Like, I know this is right. I know I have peace about our relationship and our marriage. But what if, like, what if he lets mm-hmm. me down? And but we um, all what right. else, right? Like, yeah. commitment is vulnerably saying, like, yes. you could choose to put one over on me, right? But I'm choosing to trust you anyway, right? Yeah, and it's like, okay, walk down that road. Like, what if, what if he totally fails and bombs this whole marriage thing, you mm-hmm. know, and just does something so stupid? Um, and I just had to walk through the what if, like, I am still gonna love him through it, and mm-hmm. I. I'm still a follower of Christ, even above being a wife. And so that means yeah. that I'm still going to trust God and I'm still going to um, do what I know to be right and what I know God is calling me to do. Mm-hmm. And I can't control him, but I have to just put faith in it because I can't not. Like, yeah. like, you know what I mean? And so I think I have to consistently have those conversations in my own head about trust and um, preach to yourself. Yes, yes, exactly. Preaching to myself about, okay, but if that happens, what if? Okay, Mm -hmm. I know what I'm called to do and I know that I'm called to love and to seek God and to to trust God because he's the one that takes care of me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, going through life, there were tons of things that happened that I couldn't change and I couldn't do anything about, especially mm-hmm. with my family and whatnot. But I also know God had me and he he was faithful and has brought those things and helped me with my story now and helping mm-hmm. other people. So the same thing. So, yeah. So I just had to decide, like, I have to trust again. Mm-hmm. And you can trust again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then just working through forgiveness as well. So, um, yeah, that's a huge, yeah. huge factor. Yeah. Yeah. I prayed for my my dad all the time and just mm-hmm. prayed for his own heart and that he could forgive himself because I was getting to the point where I was forgiving him, you know, right. and I gone through those seasons where I was really angry mm-hmm. and I did want him to feel bad and I didn't want him to feel it. But, um, I think getting to the point where I realized, Oh, that's not hurting. That's hurting me just mm-hmm. to, to be that angry. And that's hurting me to hold that because that is causing me to be bitter. And that's causing me to lose trust for other people because I'm just projecting yeah. my feelings for what happened in the past to them. And so, um, yeah, I, I prayed a lot for him. Um, and I prayed for my own heart to be 
be able to forgive him. And uh, yeah, so that's helped in those situations where I realize like we're all broken. We all mess up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know my part in it is to forgive and forgive quickly and to allow God just to work in that situation and in, in my life, in their life as well. So that has helped me to trust again and mm-hmm. to forgive easily, especially with Jake and just any situation that we have. So, so a couple years ago, you got a call that your dad had passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah, that brought up crazy emotions. So when I got the initial calls from my grandma, actually, um, my dad's mom, and they didn't know where he was. So they hadn't heard from him in a little while. And uh, at this point, this was just a couple of years ago. So I've gone through high school. I've gone through college. I think I only saw him once after he went to prison. And I talked to him every once in a while when when I knew he was clean. So getting that call saying, hey, we haven't seen your dad in a, in a while. We don't know what's what's happened. Um, it just I, I was I was a little numb to it, actually. It, it was more of just like, oh, wow. Uh, I guess that doesn't really surprise me if he was mm-hmm. with the wrong crowd, but I don't really know what to expect. And right. so a couple of months went by and they still hadn't found him. And so they just kind of assumed like, yeah, he, he passed away, um, but we don't know where or what what's going on. And I didn't know for sure. I'd heard that he was he was clean at this point, but didn't know. And in my head, you know, I just immediately get angry. And I'm like, of course, like he's not around. He's not going to see me get married. He's not going to see all the things. And I mm-hmm. thought the end story was going to be that he was going to get clean and get his act together and right. be around. And of course, he's not. Because um, you still grieve that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even I was grieving in a weird way. I mean, I probably like the steps of grief um, and being angry. Um, but it wasn't until we had a memorial service for him. And I remember walking in and I saw this giant picture of him and I just started weeping mm-hmm. and then I just did not stop. So the whole entire time I cried and I cried. And I think it was for all of those years that we had missed. And it was, I don't know, it was the not the loss of the relationship that we had, but almost a grieving of what we didn't get yeah. to have, you yeah. know. Um, so that was really hard mm-hmm. sorry no <laughs> expect me to i am too sorry doing it um yeah because regardless he's your he's your only dad yeah and you want that yeah and you're not wrong to want that yeah you yeah know? yeah it was difficult and um during the memorial service that was also also difficult because i was it was really young when everything kind of went down and so a lot of the memories that i have were not necessarily good ones yeah and so People getting up. It was good to hear my brother and cousins and family talking about all the memories that they had of him that were really good. Mm. That was great to hear um, just because it would remind me uh, my last thoughts were not good ones. And so um, so that was good. But it also just brought a lot of, I guess, closure in a sense. At this point, we still didn't know exactly where he was, but Mm -hmm. closure to all of these feelings that I had growing up of being a little girl and not having a dad that was around consistently or being a girl and feeling like I didn't have someone that loved me mm-hmm. in that way and seeing all my friends or, you know, I just remember thinking through everything like, man, I, I didn't get to have a daddy daughter dance. I didn't. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be there to walk me down the aisle. He wasn't at my graduation, like little things like that. But I think sitting there, I just weeped for everything that I didn't get. But it also was so good for me because I feel like I just knew God was there with me and I mm. felt his presence saying like, no, you didn't get that, but 
I'm still here and I'm still love you and I'm still around you and you're going to get a good future. Like Mm -hmm. you've had good things that have happened and they're going to continue. And even though you don't have that relationship, you have you have me, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was a hard service and time, but it was a good one because I just felt God so strongly just reassuring me of what he was there to do and and the life that he meant for me to have. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think we all need to hear and remember that, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think there's, man, there's so much heaviness going on in the world today Mm -hmm. and in our own lives, you Mm -hmm. know, and people that we love around us. And I think sometimes it can feel like, gosh, like, why do we have to just deal with these horrible circumstances Mm -hmm. or these disappointing circumstances? Or maybe someone's died and Mm -hmm. it's just like so disappointing, you know? Yeah. And so even just that reminder that, okay, we might not be able to wrap up everything with a pretty bow Mm -hmm. right now here on earth, but like we do have a future hope that's so much greater than what we can even fathom. Mm -hmm. And we're not standing on air. You know, what we believe is faith, but it's not blind faith. He's given us so many truths that we can stand on and it is a a solid foundation. Yeah. So, yeah. And again, like the circumstances were not ideal and not what I would have chosen. And I wouldn't want that for other people and um, far more than what I'm even recounting right now, you know, happened. But I do know now, like with me and my relationship with my mom, that is just so strong. Mm. And she taught us so much and just, I don't know, giving us the tools and the wisdom to fight whatever situation would happen. She went through like hell on earth, really. Um, But yet still, like I know, like whenever you're in a crazy situation and you're overwhelmed and you want to just curl up in your bed and lay down and sleep and never get up because you're just that overwhelmed. Like my mom would always say, nope, you turn on worship music or praise music and you mm-hmm. belt it out at the top of your lungs and you praise God because he's going to get you through that. And so that was a common practice mm-hmm. that we would have. And and I know without going through the circumstances of my dad, that wouldn't be something that I do now. And so just my mom was just amazing through that time. I mean, what a gift she is. Oh, yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. And I can't even imagine. um, She just wrote a book recently. And so I was reading it a little while ago um, and seeing even more stories that I didn't even know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like a study guide about faith and forgiveness and all of that. So she talks about my dad a lot in that. uh, She also talks about other things, but she shares stories that I didn't even remember or didn't even know Mm -hmm. had happened. And so just to see her. I realized like, man, God was faithful. Like mm-hmm. I had someone that I still look up to and can still call. And mm-hmm. she's such a prayer warrior. And she wasn't just so focused about making sure there was food on the table or that we were in the activities that we loved or, mm-hmm. you know, had money to do fun things like that definitely happened. Um, but she was focused on giving us the godly and spiritual tools to fight whatever battles came our way. And so, um, wow. yeah, again, like it's just knowing that, even going through really hard situations, God was faithful and he provided mm-hmm. that learning experience for us, for my brother and I with my mom. So. Wow. That's amazing. So obviously you interact with a lot of single moms at church mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. were raised by someone who was a single mom for the majority of yeah. your kind of childhood. Mm-hmm. So what encouragement or advice would you kind of want to just pass on to single moms as someone who's been the yeah. beneficiary of that? Yeah, I would say much like how I saw Bethany, like she was just kind of a beacon of hope um, and seeing her like, oh, okay, things can work out. Like things can look different. I think that seeing my mom, it's the same way where it was hard and I know it was harder than I even realized. And she sheltered me and kept me from a lot of, a lot of things. But I see 
God's faithfulness in her. Mm-hmm. And now she is just such a, a model of God's faithfulness to mm-hmm. so many people. And she's in, in Waco with my stepdad now, but she's speaking to tons of people that are going through situations that are just like hers or even worse. And I think what helped her was that she made sure that we were in church. Mm-hmm. She made sure that we had mentors around us mm-hmm. and, um, and she made sure to, to make the main things, the main things like we were focused on our relationship with God and we were focused on um, what that looked like and how to thank God and to praise him, even in the midst of the storm mm-hmm. and how to rely on him on so many different levels. And that's what she was focused on. And that's what now helps us looking back. It was fine for me as a kid, which I know is different for moms that are in the thick of it right now. Sure. But oh, yeah. As a different kid, level of complexities. Right. Right. But I just know, like, I am so thankful for her and how she pointed us to Christ in whatever way that she could. Like, I can't, I can't imagine it differently. And I can't imagine wanting something else out of my childhood, except for my mom made sure that we were equipped to handle the battles that we were going to have. Um, so I guess basically what I'm saying is even though right now you might be in the thick of it and things might be crazy and feel overwhelming and you don't know what to do and you don't know to turn to just know that, um, when you're pointing your kids towards Christ, they're going to be okay. And, Mm -hmm. and I can speak for me and my brother, like we are okay. And we went through a lot, but my mom did a good job of just pointing us to God. And Mm -hmm. that's what we needed. And that's what we needed now as we're adults. So just be encouraged that you're going to be okay. And your kids are going to be okay. She She didn't just try to be the hero, but she pointed you back to the, Mm -hmm. to the really the best one. Right. So yeah. Good job, mama. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you're listening. (laughs) Well, I wish we could keep going, Mm -hmm. but I think we're going to have to kind of move on for time's sake. We always love to know what resources you would love and recommend. So it could be books or podcast music, really anything that you're loving that you want to pass on. Yeah. So I loved Lisa Turkers' book, uh, Uninvited. Mm. Absolutely loved that. It spoke to my heart and it was basically just reading my mail of everything that I was um, going through in this last couple of years and seasons of just um, working through feeling rejected. And so um, the basic concept is living loved. So no matter how your interactions go with other people, you know that you are loved. Mm -hmm. And so live that way. So I loved that book Mm -hmm. and I've just read it multiple times and worked through it. So that's been good. Awesome. Yeah. Um, my mom's book, oddly enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just been really great because it talks about faith and forgiveness and changing your thinking. And so that's been a really good resource. And then the last thing is the Cultivate What Matters power sheets. I don't know if you've heard of yeah, those. Oh, they're so good. Yes, yes. I love them. So I feel like so many people I know do those and love them mm-hmm. and I've never done them. Oh, they're so good. You I should. I should. Yeah. This is my second year to do it. And so basically. <laughs> I love how you looked when you just said that. <laughs> it was like. I got really like, giddy about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I love them. I love them so much. It's Christmas morning or something. I actually got it for Christmas. Oh, well, good. So I was like, oh my gosh. Um, But you, the concept is that you want to cultivate what matters in your life. And so she asks you to think through what do you want life to look like or what's going to matter to you when you're 80? And so now what are the different steps? And so she helps you Mm -hmm. break down and make a plan for this year and Mm -hmm. goals and um, cultivating what really matters. So I love that so much. So that's it. Cool. All right, Stace. Well, as we wrap up, what's one final thing on your heart that you just want to share? So my mom taught me when I was younger to do daily affirmations. And I did them for a while just because we had to kind of, (laughs) you know. Um, And so I stopped when I was a little older. But the last couple of years, I've realized it really does matter to say truth and speak truth to Mm. yourself. Biblical truth uh, over and over again until you really do believe it. And so... Some of my affirmations that I want to share with other people that because I feel like 
people struggle with it is one of them is you are enough because Jesus in you is enough. Um, and the other one is God is giving you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. So I want to encourage other people with that. Like you are enough because Jesus in you is enough. And God is giving you consistently and continually giving you every single thing that you need to do what he's called you to do. Because I just know that those thoughts come up when you feel like you can't do it and you're you're not good enough and that's just a lie. And so reminding yourself over and over and over again, you're enough because Jesus in you is enough and he's given you everything you need. So those are my encouragements. Mic drop. Yay. Stacia, I love you. I'm so thankful for your perspective. Thank you for being willing to come yeah, on and share a piece you for of your story. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, y'all, after Stacia and I had wrapped up this conversation, we realized we never mentioned the fun fact that she and Jake actually met at church while serving in Life Kids, each seeking God, loving God on their own, and then he brought them together in his perfect timing. So there are many reasons to love the local church. That's just one perk. But God's church is not just a building. It's the people. For those of us who trust and follow Jesus, we are His bride, His church, His physical body here on earth. And not only can we choose to trust again, but we can empower others to do the same. All right, guys, you can find the conversation notes and resources from this episode and join my email list at jenjewel.com. The Messy Table is also on Instagram, and you can subscribe to the podcast for free in all the usual places like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you feel like going the extra mile today, you can get on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It actually means more than you know. It helps other women find these life-giving conversations. And hey, as you go about your week, remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.